When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey friends, I just have to pop in before this episode begins to let you know that the doors are open for registration on the spring session of Live Free From Clutter. This is my five-week guided intentional living course. Live Free From Clutter includes a five-week shopping pause, along with a Facebook community for support so you don't have to go through any of it alone. You also get a weekly lesson with an assignment and a live weekly webinar where you can ask questions and hear the answers directly. The course is designed to help you create space in your life for what matters the very most to you. If you're feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, a little bit busy, or even just like you have too much stuff and you don't know where it all came from or what to do with it, I would love to help you through Live Free From Clutter, learn how to be a little bit more intentional, how to feel more content and fulfilled and grateful in your everyday life. Visit the show notes to learn more about the course and how to register. If you could use a little more peace in your life, I hope that you'll join me. Welcome to Live Free Creative, the podcast that provides inspiration and ideas for living a creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I hope that each time you listen, you feel a little bit more free to live your life exactly the way you want to live it. Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and you're listening to episode 79 of Live Free Creative Podcast, Edible Gardening 101. I know it's only February, but I am in full-blown garden planning mode over here. I've had gardening dreams in the past, but this year is going to be our first year with a true, real-life garden. In the past, I've done lots of uh, fruit trees, and I've planted herbs in every different garden that I've lived in, whether it was like on a little balcony or in a little pot on our back porch. This year, I'm planning to have raised garden beds in our yard with our chicken coop and grow things that we can eat, actual food, more than just herbs, and I am over the moon excited about it. Did you know that February, March, this is the time to start planning for your garden. If you are a gardener, then you're saying, yes, of course, I know that. If you're not, but you would like to be, you may be surprised to find out that these end of winter months are when people start to prepare both the garden themselves, like if you need to build some new garden boxes or if you want to make sure your soil's ready, 
or just to plan. And if you're going to start from seed, it's pretty soon that you need to do that. If you're going to direct sow into your garden, it'll be a little bit later, but you still need to have a plan. I found myself in late March, early April last year saying, hmm, I would love to have a garden this year. And I started going around to the garden shops and everyone acted like I was a little bit behind schedule. I was a little crazy. And so I wanted to make sure that this episode went live super early in the season. So if you have aspirations of being an edible gardener like I do, that you can begin to plan and prepare for your edible garden 2020. Now, because I am such a beginner, I have invited my friend Melissa to become our garden guru. Melissa is well known from her blog, Lulu the Baker. I met her years and years ago at a blogging conference and we've been fast friends ever since. She also is the author of a book called Scandinavian Gatherings, which is a beautiful craft and cookbook celebrating Scandinavian heritage and culture. I will link both her book and her blog and all of the things in the show notes, so be sure to check it out so you can follow along with all of the incredible things that Melissa is up to. In addition to being a blogger and an author, Melissa has a giant hobby farm in Southern Oregon where she and her family grow tons of food for themselves and to share with neighbors. They have from vegetables to trailing vines to berries to citrus trees and beyond in their huge garden that she'll tell you a little bit more about. I've had so much fun watching Melissa grow her garden and learning from her because she's super down to earth She's a great experimenter and a really great educator. So as things happen, she shares them in a way that makes it easy to understand how we can learn from her experiences. So she was a perfect person to call on the phone and to chat with about Edible Gardening 101. In this interview, I basically just talk through the questions that I have about setting up my own backyard garden and try to absorb as much of Melissa's vast understanding and knowledge as I can as she answers my questions. As I was recording with her, I kept finding myself wanting to take notes and then remembering we were recording and being so happy that this whole episode was going to be available, not only for you, but for me to listen to over and over again as I begin this gardening journey. Because I have such a fun interview, we're going to forego our regular segment today and just dive right in to my interview with Melissa. Okay, Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited to chat with you. You and I go back a long time. I would love to hear a little bit about how you got started in your blog and your business, what you're doing now, and and yeah, just bring us up to speed. All right. Well, for a little bit of history, um, I started my blog back in 2011. That was when my third child was born. She is 11 now. So this is back in together. I know. I know. It's such a blur. Um, so back in 2008, my second baby was born and my sister and I actually started an Etsy shop that is long since defunct, but it was called Max and Ellie and we made cute little handmade baby things and blankets and applique onesies, which is really funny because that's so far removed from anything that I really do now. It just became Lulu the Baker. I I started a food blog separately about that same exact time um, so that I could participate in like online, not baking contests, but like group bakes, you know, where people get together and they all bake the same thing, like people from all over the world. 
And so I've just been doing recipes. I talk about the, the funny little backyard farm things that we decide to do. And a few years ago, we moved out to an actual hobby farm out in the country. So that's gone from being backyard suburban hobby farm to a full-fledged hobby farm out in the country on some acreage. And we have chickens and we have a big garden and yeah, it's super fun. I have loved, so when we met, you didn't yet live on your big farm where you live now. And um, and I didn't actually like, I, I loved reading your blog and your recipes and realized that you like were, had this like really fun homesteading kind of but I <laughs> gene in you. Um, but I didn't, yeah, I it's been so fun to watch as that has like grown and flourished. And I feel like especially with the space that you have now, you just like have what feels to me, you call it a hobby farm, but it feels to me like an extensive garden, animals, I mean the chickens, like many, many. I have a little teeny tiny coop and a little tiny herb garden and it just like, it just feels so awesome. Um, but I'm sure that it obviously didn't start that way. So how, what was your first foray into gardening and um, how did that begin and, and uh, yeah, how did you get started? Yeah, so I have the benefit of having a spouse who is also super into gardening and, you know, farming and animals and stuff like that. So it's wonderful. It's also a little bit dangerous because we just like feed off of each other and nobody is putting the brakes on at all. Like my husband will have this idea like, Oh, I think we should do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's really go for it. When we lived in our little suburban house with our just tiny, like postage stamp backyard, we turned basically half of the backyard into raised beds. I love raised beds. I think if you're doing any kind of backyard gardening, like hardcore backyard gardening, and you don't have a lot of space, raised beds are really the way to go. You can really maximize what you grow. Um, you can get a ton out of them. And so that's what we did. We had, I want to say five or six raised beds. And then along our fence, we planted corn for a couple of years. So that was fun. Just like this long, skinny strip of corn. Yeah. And we started out with onions and radishes and tons of tomatoes and some hot peppers. And we just really, really loved it. Oh, and so we had half of the yard in raised beds and we had a patio and then the other half had, I would only say semi-dwarf, maybe fruit trees. So we just drove by it um, a few weeks ago. We were in that part of town and it was just funny to drive by and reminisce and see how big the fruit trees have gotten. They really take up a ton of the yard. So we did not have a lot of like running and playing room. So when you first, when you moved into that house and you lived in your little house with your littler yard, um, was anything there in terms of garden or fruit trees before, or you added all of that? We added all of that. So it was a brand new house. In fact, we bought it when it was still a few months. Um, it was still under construction for a few months. It was a brand new neighborhood. When we moved in, we, the front yard was landscaped. The backyard was mud. Uh -huh. Basically it wasn't even fenced. So we had to put the fence up. We put some grass in, we built the raised bed. So we did all of it from scratch. Okay, blank slate. So how did you decide? Um, so this is where I am. Yeah. House in the city, fenced yard, basically mud because whatever grass is there is not really. Right. It's like weeds. <laughs> and then we have chickens. And then, yeah, it's so um, my I have this big idea for half the yard to be 
raised garden beds where my chicken coop is and then the other half can be kind of play area and I I already have planted fruit trees I did that in Texas too and I just love I mean they don't get very big in a short amount of years it's like a long-term project but um so I have already planted fig and um raspberries and blackberries and a blueberry bush and I think I planted a peach tree too so all of this like last fall and I have nothing in terms of garden, all I've ever done is herbs. When we lived in a small apartment, I did herbs like on my patio, like my little tiny patio railing. Um, and then in our house in Texas, I grew rosemary and some lavender and some basil and just like basic herbs that I would buy the actual plant like from Trader Joe's usually and just like stuff it in the ground instead of using it in the kitchen. And they did pretty well. And that's what I have right now. Like four basic herbs in one raised like it's not even a raised bed it's just like a like a planter right and so it feels yeah it's a container and and actually it's amazing because it's the middle of winter and they're still just totally growing like all these herbs you know they are they're doing really well um but it feels like a big jump from like I don't know what I'm doing into um into an actual garden and I I was just telling you before we started recording that I feel like I know and understand with my head that everything that I need to know is available for me somewhere. Like it's on YouTube, it's on a bunch of blog posts, there's probably four million books dedicated to beginner gardening in your backyard. But I don't really want to do all of the sorting through all of that information. I want you to give me some very basic instructions for like how to get started, what are some of the best practices for a a backyard garden, and let me tell you what I've already done, and then you can kind of help me move from here. Just be my, you're going to be my garden guru. Guru. (laughs) Yes. So what I've already done is winter sown seeds into um, milk jug containers, and just for people who didn't see this on Instagram, if you're listening and you'd love to see what this process looks like, you can head to my Instagram highlight about it. Um, I I had some neighbors who told me this is what they do. Actually, right after Christmas, they were like, okay, we're starting our gardens. And I was like, what? It's not even like the spring has so far away. Like, you know, and they said, no, now is the time to plant the seeds so that you have little plants to put in the garden rather than direct sowing into the garden, which I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I will believe you. So I planted in my hat I cut the milk jugs in half I put organic potting soil in there I drilled holes in the bottoms and the tops I stuck seeds in for like a bunch of different kinds like um tomatoes and uh let's see what else I did lots of different plants cucumbers watermelon peas beans not carrots because someone told me I can't transplant them easily So I'm just like, I don't know. And then I just duct taped them all and stuck them out on my table. And I'm like, okay, hopefully in a couple months those turn into plants. But in the meantime, I need to figure out what garden beds to use, what soil to use, if I need a watering system. So walk me through this garden guru. What do I do next? Um, so do you have your raised beds built? No. Okay. So you need to figure out where in your yard you want them. Do you have that? Done. Yep. I know where I want to put them in a sunny spot. Yes. So they need full sun. And if you've got fruit trees that you planted that aren't full size yet, definitely make sure you take that into consideration because they're not necessarily casting shade yet that they will cast in the future. So I mean, the worst is to like put all this time and energy into, you know, creating this garden space and then you you know, in two more years, your trees are casting this huge shadow and you can't plant anything there or you're only, or you're only, um, able to plant shade loving plants, which 
no vegetables want shade. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can plant hostas and ferns in the shade, but like that's not. Yeah. Food, food needs sun. Yeah. Food needs sun to grow. Okay. So that's a good thing. Make sure that where you put your gray's garden beds have full sun. Yes. Full sun. And we'll have full sun for the foreseeable future. Yep. Um, And then you need to figure out some kind of watering system. You don't need to have like an in-ground system. And we actually, I mean, our garden is massive now. And we, I think, are tinkering with the watering every single year to to just get it absolutely right. Um, For a smaller garden, it's much easier. Um, If you have in-ground sprinklers that will hit it, awesome. Then, you know, all your troubles are kind of over. you can hand water it. That's not a big deal if you just have a backyard hose. The only problem with hand watering is when you go on vacation, you have to hire somebody to come water your garden for you because in the summer heat, you know, when you're off enjoying the coast or, you know, heading to the mountains or whatever, your poor plants are going to die. And it's so sad to come home from a vacation to find like a dead garden. So hand watering is totally fine. You just have to plan for, you know, you have to take care of it like you would with you know, a pet when you're out of town, you have to make sure it gets the water that it needs. I don't have an in-ground sprinkler, but I was thinking about the hose drip system on a timer. Someone told me that I can like set up a hose drip, pull it over to the thing, put a timer on it so that it just waters every day from the hose, whether in there or not. Yep. That is a great idea. Um, and in, in a nice small backyard garden, I think that that's a perfect Yes. I think that's a perfect solution. And you just kind of zigzag the hose back and forth. Just, it's more efficient. It wastes less water. Most plants don't need like their leaves watered. They just need their roots watered. Yeah, right. Yes. And a lot of them don't even like they'd prefer not to have the the fruiting part or the leaves watered like that that kind of contributes to some rot. So, I could probably figure out my raised garden beds and then put a soaker hose in them with the soil. Just on just, you could even on just top. do it on top of the soil, yeah. Okay, and so then it doesn't have to spray. Right, just when you're um transplanting or when you're direct sowing the things that need that. Yeah, you just zigzag your hose back and forth and maybe stake it, you know, so it's not wiggling around too much and, you know, disturbing your little baby plant. Okay. So question, quick question about raised beds. There are so many first, I don't know that I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know that I want to build them. I'm trying to decide, but I've recently seen, I mean, I might just buy some kit ones. I've seen the wooden ones and I've seen the metal like farm rings do, do you have any, like, are they all kind of the same? It's just my own design and price point decision? Or what do you think? Is there a better or worse raised bed? Um, I'm or sure there are. The we haven't done, I know I've seen the metal, like, fire rings, and they yeah. look awesome. They're, like, beautiful. Yeah, those are, like, 40 bucks at a farm store. I'm not sure how long those last. But wood also doesn't last forever. Um, You can certainly get wood that does a good job of holding up outside, but it won't last forever. So eventually, you know, 10 years, however long down the road. Yeah. You'll just have to replace pieces as they start to fall apart. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's fast forward. I set up my raised garden beds and I have my watering system. Is there a 
a particular type of soil I should use? If you have a, like a landscaping place near you, you can take like a pickup truck, go and they'll just load it for you in the back of your truck and then you drive home. So if you have a place like that, they usually have, you know, three or four different types of soil that you can get. And they usually have premium garden soil. Mm -hmm. I think that's always a safe bet. Um, And I haven't found too much difference in like the type of soil, definitely pH, you know, is a little bit different for everything. But as far as the type of soil goes, I think if you have a really good, healthy, loose soil, that's beneficial to everything. Like carrots can't grow in like clay. Mm -hmm. So if your soil is really like a thick, sludgy clay soil, which we definitely have here, just not in our raised beds. We made sure we filled those with like top-notch organic, you know, garden, garden soil. So I'm not using like with a, with a raised bed, this just goes to show how basic my understanding, like I, I assume that I just fill the whole raised bed with new soil and I'm not using anything from like, cause I think our background is pretty dense as well. It's like hard clay. So I just stick the beds up and then just fill them with new soil. And then all of the soil that the plants are in is great. They're happy. Should be. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I've seen people put, you know, like filler in the bottom, like grass clippings or a bunch of dead leaves, you know, stuff like that, which basically is just compost. Um, So you can certainly do that if you have that. And then just, you know, before you plant everything, really make sure you work the soil good to to kind of work everything in. But yeah, if you just get a really high quality, you know, garden soil, you could even just go to, you know, like a a hardware or a gardening store and buy bags of soil, depending on how much you need. Yeah. I would just get the good stuff. It really, I think, makes a difference. I think that's a great example of, you know, you get what you pay for. And if you buy like cheap stuff, it's not going to have the the nutrients that it needs. Right. How deep for the average, I mean, I'm sure they're all a little bit different, but how deep does the actual layer of soil need to be within the bed for the average edible, like basic edible garden? 12 inches? I would think 12 inches is probably plenty. I mean, if you're growing like carrots or potatoes, um, if you're growing carrots, you're not going to get carrots that are longer than 12 inches. I mean, you can grow carrots that are longer than that, but like you in your backyard are not going to grow carrots that are like. Unless I have like super carrot growing powers, which we don't, we don't know yet. We we might discover that. (laughs) And I would say, um, I know we, this is a little bit uh, jumping ahead, but I, I would definitely do carrots. I think carrots are like fantastic really in the garden. Okay. They are so much fun to grow. They don't take a lot of work, but yes, you do have to have good soil, nice, loose soil for the carrots. You have to direct sow them. We talked about that. You can't transplant them because they're roots. The root so if is transplanting the them, Yeah. The root yes, is the food. Ripping it out. I mean, you could try, but I think you're, I mean, yeah, I heard that not to do that. So we're just going to say that as a blanket rule. Don't transplant carrots. Put the seeds directly into your garden. Yes. And really do um, like on the back of the seed packet. And this was one of the notes that I had written down to mention. Pretty and they're fun to look at. And they, they are the packaging for the seeds. But they really do have a lot of good information that you really do need to pay attention to. Like, yeah. will this thing grow where I live? Um, Like we try every year to grow watermelon and there are places in Oregon where you can successfully grow watermelons. Like there's this little town, um, like Northeast of us called Hermiston that 
grows delicious watermelons. They're like the watermelon capital of Oregon. We in our area cannot grow them. Like they just can't ripen. They, we have tried so many times. They just don't have enough heat for enough of the summer to ripen. And so pay attention to what can actually successfully grow in your area. Yeah. So this is called zone, right? This is like growing zone and you have to just Google it if you don't know. And I Googled it and it was still a little unsure. (laughs) So you can type in your zip code. Yeah. And it will tell you exactly which zone you're in. And then you might have to kind of like, they always just have a map you know, one of those like topographic looking maps with the lines. You have to just kind of find where you are and guess, you know, and to an extent, like everything grows everywhere. You know, like you can grow carrots anywhere. Watermelon will probably grow most places, but not, not well and not to like ripeness. Okay, good. So we've got our beds, we've got our water, we've got our soil. Now tell me some of your favorite, very beginner plants and Okay, I want to hear that first. And then I want to hear after that, which things, like, is it a good idea? This episode is happening in February. Like right now is still early for direct planting, I think, in most areas. So let's talk, we'll talk a little bit about winter sowing after you tell me which plants for the very beginner edible gardener, let's say we're only going to do one or two raised beds. And so we don't have a ton of space, but we want to get the most bang for our buck things that will actually grow, that will actually survive as long as we're assuming that we have sun and water and good soil. And so if we take care of those three things, which are the very most likely to succeed? Okay. So I have to put a little asterisk. um, Yes. Before we talk about that, you really have to consider what you and your family are going to eat. Um, so for example, I think radishes are super duper fun to grow. They're basically as close to instant gratification as you can get in gardening because you can plant a radish seed and in one month you will have a radish that you can eat. And that is way faster than anything else. But really consider how many radishes your family can actually eat. Like, I mean, you've seen my garden we have these four by four foot boxes. So each box, and we've got like 60 of them. So each box is 16 square feet. And even if we plant one box full of radishes, that is 16 square feet of radishes. That is like, we can't eat that many. I do it every spring. Cause I'm like, Oh, radishes. I love radishes. I don't love radishes that much. I can't eat 16 square feet of radishes. And my kids are like totally not interested at all. So just be mindful of that when you're planting things and they're fun to grow and they come in like really pretty colors and they're so cute and little and they're just, I mean, they grow early. So they're one of the first things that are ready in the spring. It, I just always overdo it. Okay. And I, I think am- we'll put them in salads and we'll put them on toast, avocado toast with radishes. And you know what, you know, why I'm laughing. I'm laughing so hard because I love radishes. I love them. And I'm so happy now to hear that they grow well. I, I don't think my family likes them really at all, but I, I don't even think I have radish seeds yet. I have like 20 different varieties of things that I'm planning on growing and I don't even have radishes yet. So I'm going to get some because I love them. Oh, for sure. And they have really cute ones. I'm trying to think of what the variety, I think there's one, it's the really common one. I think it's called cherry bell. Yeah. Cherry bell radishes or something like that. Little red um, those are just like the standard cute little red ones that you find at the grocery store. But then they also have these ones that come in like, oh, there's French breakfast radishes. That's another one. Those are longer, like long and skinny. 
Um, and they're like half red and half white or half pink and half white. Those are really cute. So cute. They're, so, it's fun to grow things with like different color varieties. That's always super fun. For sure. So I'm guessing that because radishes grow so quickly that those are direct. So you don't want to, you don't plant those in it. Yeah. Yes, you cannot. I've tried it because we did, we planted radish seeds in little like paper cups because I thought like, oh, cute. This will be so fun and we can watch them grow. Um, and they just Didn't like, really they don't work. even do well. Yeah. Okay. So radishes are fun. Just don't plant too many. Um, I feel like cherry tomatoes are like you get so much bang for your buck with cherry tomatoes. Um, and really we tend to think of cherry tomatoes and grape tomatoes and the little pear tomatoes as like just for salads, but they're great in everything. You can use them to make pasta sauce. You know, you can, you can use them for all kinds of things. So yeah, just use them the way you would use any kind of tomato. You can use them in salsa. You can just like anytime you make it a tomato, use tomatoes. Perfect. So I think cherry tomatoes are like, if you only have room for one kind of tomato, I feel like you will not regret cherry tomatoes. Um, and they're so cute. You can just pick them and pop them in your mouth. Um, we talked about carrots. We have always had a lot of fun growing onions. Green onions are super fun and they're always called green bunching onions and you can buy onion seeds and do them yourself. You can also at a lot of gardening centers find onion starts. So it'll be like a rubber banded section of, I mean, they just look like weird kind of thick sprouts Mm -hmm. and they're just like little tiny baby onions. So there are a lot of different ways to do onions. Okay. Um, And they're really fun to do. They're a great storage crop. I'm assuming most people with a backyard garden are not trying to grow enough stuff to like store food for their family for the winter. Yeah. (laughs) But, but onions are really fun to do. I love it. Like we plant onions and then I feel really proud of myself because I don't have to buy onions at the store for like nine months out of the year. Like they grow quickly they last all summer. They last well into the fall until it really starts to get like, you know, frosty and they're just fun to grow. Okay. So here's a, here's a beginner question about onions. Onions are the bulb, right? So how do you know when an onion bulb is done by the top? I don't think I've ever seen the top of, I mean, I've seen the top of a chive, like a green onion, but I've never seen the top of an onion itself. How would I know that the bulb is ready? So I am really happy that you asked that question because I know the answer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. So, um, yes, the bulbs are under the ground. Um, and the tops, if you can imagine like what green onions or scallion tops look like, onion tops look just like that, only much bigger. So okay. same exact look, just bigger. And they will start, they will literally flop over okay. on the ground. Like Great. they're getting plenty of water. They're not dying. They don't like shrivel up. They just literally flop over, like they bend at the neck and they go horizontal. And that's when your onions are ready. They're like, show's over. I'm done. And you're like, great. That's perfect. We have, so if you have an onion that goes to flower, I'm trying to think what you should do. Maybe just snip the flower off. Because when it flowers, it'll stop putting energy into the root at all. So if you, and that, I mean, for things that grow from a flower, definitely don't snap or uh, cut blossoms off. Um, but for carrots and for onions, they don't need that flower. So you okay. can cut the cut the flower off because you want the root. You don't want the the fruit isn't coming from the flower like with tomatoes or raspberries or something. The fruit's coming from the bulb. Okay, great. Okay, good advice. And it'll keep putting energy into the root. 
which yeah. is the part that you want. Love it. This is good information. Okay. Some of the things that I see people like overflowing with, which makes me lead, it leads me to believe that these are successful things are zucchini, cucumber, all different types of squash. Um, those are kind of the big ones and like, and then herbs like basil and stuff like that. But I feel like, um, are those, am I right? Are those all things that also grow really well? Yeah. For sure. Um, I think zucchini and summer squash um, are terrific. They're super productive. And I think they have a lot of different uses, like different ways that you can prepare them and eat them. Like I love just sauteing zucchini. I love, um, you can roast it, you know, briefly in the oven. Um, You can grill it, you can stuff it, um, you can use it in like we use zucchini in our lasagna, like in place of half the noodles, we use zucchini. Oh yeah. With like zoodles. Now people are eating like zucchini as straight up pasta. And I mean, zucchini bread and zucchini cake. And like you can stuff zucchini in like brownies, you know, and they just make it super like moist and dense. Um, And yeah, with zucchini, I feel like once it starts to set fruit, I'm not kidding. You have to go check on it every single day because you'll be like, Oh, it's been a week. And then somehow you have like 20 of those huge zucchinis that are like the size of a baseball bat and they just come out of nowhere. And you'll think, I always used to think like people would show up at church with this huge box of zucchini, like, please take one. I don't know how they got this big. And I used to think, how did you let your zucchini get that big? But now that we're growing zucchini, it just happens. And they hide under those giant leaves. So you just have to go like pick up every leaf, look under, make sure you don't have any like huge zucchini hiding under there. This sounds like a great um, like hide and seek for the kids during the summer. Like check on the zucchini, make sure they're, you know, see, you get a nickel if you find one, you know. I always have to tell my kids, and maybe this is just me being like a helicopter mom, like please don't pick anything until you've checked with me. Because they'll come in with like, look, I picked all of these tomatoes and they're like all green, you know, or I picked all these strawberries and one half is beautiful and red and the other half is like white and they're not ready at all. So like, please check with me before you pick anything. I love it. Okay. I already know that's going to happen because Plum comes to me with handfuls of dandelion or um, of what's growing right now with the yellow, not dandelions, not tulips, daffodils. She comes in, she comes to me with handfuls of daffodils from around the neighborhood. Like we don't, like, <laughs> we don't have yards. any Yes. We don't have any daffodils growing in our yard and I'm like, oh, "Plum, shoot." I feel like I need to go around with like little peace offerings to all of my neighbors because she just is she's so excited, you know, and I'm like, "Okay, we can look at them. We don't want to pick them all." So, yeah, we'll have to like have some lessons about like looking and checking, yes, and, you know. Yes. Check when things are ready, yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so as far as like, this is again, very basic. Like, how do I know? So is it one single zucchini seed that turns into a plant that creates that many zucchini? Or is it like multiple zucchini seeds? Because I think, I don't know, I'm gonna have to double check. I I think that I planted maybe like a dozen zucchini seeds in my in my winter sowing thing, but they're also teeny. And I'm like, I don't even know if any of them, but how many should I plant if I want you know, if I only have two garden beds, let's say I have two raised beds, how many actual zucchini little plants do I need? Like two? 
Three? Uh, yeah. Ten? No, I would say like two or three is probably plenty. So okay. each zucchini plant will send out all of these vines. Okay. And each vine will produce several flowers. So each plant, each seed can produce, you know, a dozen zucchini. Okay. okay. So, I mean, it, the problem is not how many they produce. Like if you love zucchini and you can, you're like, oh, well, we'll eat zucchini every single day all summer. Then yeah, grow as much as you want. They do take up a lot of space. Like uh -huh. zucchini grow um, like horizontally, you know, they're not, they're not climbers. Um, and so they just take up a lot of space. They so, have really big leaves and the vines yeah. are long and then the fruit gets really big. And so really you just have to take into consideration how much of your space do you want to donate to zucchini? Right. And that's a good tip just for generally, like think about your garden beds in terms of space per variety. Right. And how much, and so then you have to maybe have a basic understanding of space. But so for example, could I plant my two or three zucchini plants on one edge and, and encourage them to grow over the edge because their roots will be in the garden bed, but will it ruin them for the vines to go out over like onto the gravel? Um, no, or do they I don't need, think it would ruin no. them. No, so I could try to do that. You could try that. Yeah. Gently, um, gentle encouragement of the zucchini. Yes. If they had like grass underneath, I would say maybe you don't want that just because if the grass is getting watered all the time, then the, the fruit is constantly wet and it's, rot. yeah. Or it'll have like a side, the bottom side will be pale yeah. and just like kind of squishy. Like it'll I've never fully, you know, ripen or harden. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, you could give that a try and see if that worked. Okay. Yeah. This is all a big experiment. Okay. Um, any other, any other basic favorites for edible garden? Yeah. Things, things that we can't I miss. was talking to my husband about this. Um, and he said, because I wrote a note to talk about peas. And he said, why don't you like peas? And I laughed. And I said, I love fresh garden peas. Like, to me, there is no, like, frozen peas don't taste as good as peas fresh from the garden. Like, not even close. Um, and canned peas, we won't even talk about because they're like a different, they're like a different breed of thing altogether. Um, the pro my problem with peas is that they take so much work to go from the garden into your mouth. Like mm -hmm. you have to pick the pods and then you have to shell them. And then each pea pod has like, if you're lucky, each pea pod has like five or six good sized peas. And you're like, Oh, that sounds like a lot. That's not a lot. Like that's not even like a fork full of peas. And so you'll go pick all these peas and you'll shell all these peas and it will take you just forever. And then you'll be like, this is enough for like, like that whole garden produced enough for like one dinner, like for all of us to have like half a cup of peas, like one serving of peas. So okay. I love peas. They just are a lot of work. They are the, kind of the opposite of cherry tomatoes, like not a lot of bang for your buck. Okay, so better to let the farms and the big professionals grow the peas and so we can buy a whole bag of them or like go to the farmer's market and get like a whole bunch of them. That's, okay. that's just my opinion. And some people would probably say, no, you have to grow peas. And they are pretty easy to grow and they look really charming because they, you know, they're climbers and you can put them on a teepee. Uh, that you make out of like the bamboo, bamboo sticks. sticks. Yes. yes. They're so cute. You just have to realize that you are not going to get that many that servings many. of peas out of the garden. Yeah. So that's so, the only, that's my only problem with peas. 
So what about snap peas and green beans? Um, I love snap peas and green beans. Okay, so this is so great. I feel like I keep wanting to take notes and I'm like, oh, good, we're recording this. <laughs> I don't have to take notes. Okay, I can listen. Well, the full transcript is always available on the blog after the sh- like the day the show goes live, so that'll be great. And I'll pull some of these notes out, actually, and turn it into a printable PDF, like a beginner um, edible garden 101 um, and I'll send it to you first so that people can like make sure that you that I got it all right um, and so if you're if you're listening and you're interested in like the the notes the actual like printable notes that you could take with you to the garden store or whatever um, just go to livefreecreative.co slash podcast and look up this episode and there will be a link where you can download that let's talk now about the difference between winter sowing and spring direct sowing and and then I want to um, assume that all of my winter sewing doesn't work, just like worst case scenario. And then like, then what? Then I obviously will start with like plants maybe. Okay, so let's first, have you done winter sewing? How did it go for you? Or that's not something you've really done? No, we have in the past. And we usually just do the, you can get those pallets. Uh, I think it's called Jiffy. Um, it's like a plastic palette that has the little um, soil discs. Yeah, I've seen And you, you water them and they, they pop up. They absorb the water and they kind of pop up. Like they don't get bigger. They just get taller. So then you've got all of these little. Individual like plant. Yes. Yes. Like little plant pellet things. Um, and each one has a hole in the center. It, they're kind of wrapped in like a, a biodegradable mesh kind of thing. So it holds together. And then it has a hole in the middle and you can just pop your seed in. So we've done that before um, with some success. We always mean to do that and we'll like buy all the stuff and we'll buy all of our seeds and then we forget. And so if you forget or if you don't have the space to do that um, or you just don't want to bother with doing that, yes, you can just buy starts at, you know, your local nursery. Home Depot always has them. Um, where, so I, I go get some of those. When do I plant them? If you're getting actual plants. Yeah. So it'll be a little bit different depending on, you know, your where zone. you live. Yes. Where, yeah, your zone. Um, usually on the back of the seed packet, it'll tell you when you can direct sow something and when you should start it indoors for transplanting. So if you're not planting the seed, but you're just going to buy a little plant and transplant it. It should have a tag on there that tells you, and it's usually like after all danger of frost. Um, For us, we have things that we plant at the end of March and we have things that we plant at the beginning of June. And every time we try to like kind of, you know, vary that a little bit or like get a head start, like oh, it's a warm May. We're just going to go ahead and sow all of these seeds. We usually regret it Mm -hmm. um, because there'll be a cold snap or it just won't be warm enough. Um, So it really depends on the soil temperature, where you live. So you just have to read the tag and know your area um, and what the weather's like. You know, when, when for you, when can you plant outdoors and you know that these plants will be okay and that it's not going to get cold, it's not going to get frosty. So can I assume that when the basic garden store that, for example, when Home Depot has plants outside for me to buy, can I assume that it's safe to plant them or, or will they carry them before it's safe to plant them in my area? Because if they do, that's mean. I know. I know. 
It, it really is. <laughs> That's confusing. Well, not, you know what? That's like, I always assume that if they're carrying this plant, that it can grow in my area. Like, why would you be carrying this plant that will die where I live? But that, you know, you can't assume. Pay attention. Yeah. You okay. can't assume. Um, so for spring vegetables like peas, I'm trying to think of what else to spring spinach, um, like cabbages, which are cold weather, anything cold weather, you can, if it's a direct, sow, you can direct. sow it like as soon as it warms up, you know, a little bit, um, and you can transplant, I would say probably March. And then for summer things like corn, zucchini, tomatoes, green beans, all of those, you really need to wait until May or June. Things might be different, you know, if you live in Florida. Exactly. And you can just grow stuff all year or, you know, Southern California. I would, I would say May and June for summer transplanting Okay, is, is a good rule of thumb. And so I guess I'm just going to wait and see with my little seeds that are like sitting in their little milk jugs on my back patio. I have no idea when they're going to sprout and if they will. And when they do, I mean, it will be really fun to keep people updated because I have no idea. I looked in there the other day and I was like, yeah, no, they, so some of them, there's little teeny holes and then some of them are actually like just old spinach containers, like those plastic boxes. I'm trying to just reuse stuff. Yes. So those are clear, all the way clear. And, um, and I looked in the other day, just like, is there any sign of life? And like, no, no, there's not. But I just did it like two weeks ago and it's still February. So I don't know that they're supposed to be. I think the idea, if I understand it behind winter sowing, is that the seed, the seed itself, I mean, before humans lived, inhabited the planet full of plants, the seeds were not tended to, right? They, they, they would fall to the ground and the seed would remain dormant until it sensed between the hot and cold and the freeze and the warmth and that the soil warmed up and the last freeze happened. And then like the seed itself contains everything. I mean, first of all, it's bonkers that a seed contains all of the information and potential necessary to turn into a dozen zucchini. Like that's crazy. But beyond that, that it naturally should be able to kind of understand if it, you know, so the idea is that like when you winter sow and you put these things outside that the seeds will sense the changes in temperature and that they'll emerge when it's safe for them to emerge. So that's the hope. Um, but we'll just have to find out. I have more, actually, I just got more milk jugs from a neighbor. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some more, but I might be doing all the wrong things. Now that we've talked, I'm like, okay, I definitely did peas and maybe I don't want to do peas. Oh no, peas are, no. And peas are delicious. And I don't want to discourage anybody from doing peas. I just find like, I will go pick what feels like so many, so many peas. And then I'll sit there and I'll shell all the peas. And when you get all those peas shelled, it's like such a tiny amount. And it's so, it's just kind of, like I said, it's really the opposite of like growing radishes or cherry tomatoes where you're like, I did no work and I have this amazing food to eat and peas. It's like, I have done so much work and we each get one spoonful and that's it. You know? Yeah. I think for beginners, it, like me, it probably is not a bad thing to go for the low-hanging, simple, easy, like, bang for your buck. Like, you know, it's probably better to do something that you feel pretty confident is going to succeed fairly easily and fairly quickly because that motivation is so important to continue, you know? So, like, yeah, yeah. so we'll we'll see. Um, 
And I think the other thing that I'm gathering is that I might have planted way more seeds in my little winter sowing than I will. Well, I don't have beds yet, so I I could see. But like each of my little milk containers is what, like, you know, eight inches around. But I think I put like nine, nine to a dozen seeds in each of those. That's probably way more plants because the seeds are so tiny. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not just going to put one seed in there, but I just may have I mean, if all goes well and I really am the green thumb that I believe in my head that I have the potential to be, then I might just have to like be giving people away actual little plants. For sure. Yeah. Which I'm happy to do. Yeah. So not last summer, but the summer before, um, we were a little bit lazy with our garden cleanup. And so instead of like taking the vines out and getting rid of all the old fruit, they just kind of rotted where they were. Because I didn't have to buy tomatillo starts last year because I had like a hundred tomatillo starts growing Just in my from garden. The seeds from the fruit. Yes, exactly. Yes. Like you Maybe. said. Without humans, they just, they do this on their own. And so I actually put a little message out on Instagram and I said, Hey, local friends, you know, I've got very healthy tomatillo starts and tomato starts. And the tomatillos, they're like are really only a few different varieties, at least that I've seen at you know, the garden center and stuff with tomatoes. I had to say, it's anyone's guess what variety you will be getting. I have no idea. These could be cherry tomatoes. These could be beef steaks. I have no clue what these are. Um, but yeah, a little surprise, little lottery. It was, which is fun. I love stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So I just told people, Hey, if you're local, you know, let me know when you want to come by and I'll dig these up and, you know, put them in a little plastic pot for you or bring your own or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's nice to be able to share. I love it. Okay. That's so great. Okay. So, um, let's say everything's in the garden and then what do I do? Like then you just water and sun and weed and yeah, water and sun. Um, so if you've got really healthy soil, then it should be, it should be good to go. You shouldn't have to do too much. Okay. So much good information. Now I want to hear because your specialty is, I mean, you're obviously an incredible gardener and farmer, but your specialty is cooking and baking. So tell me just a couple of your favorite, um, recipes that you use using the food that you've grown in your garden. And you don't have to tell me the full recipe because we'll just link to them on your blog. Um, but just tell me a couple of your favorites, things that you like, you get so excited when you're planting or when you're working in the garden because you know that these things are going to turn into this meal or this dish. Okay. So one of my very, very favorite things that uses like it's all from the garden, um, is ratatouille. And this is a ratatouille recipe that we got from our friends, Dave and Marcel. And you take potatoes and onions and tomatoes and zucchini or any kind of yellow summer squash, like patty pans, crooked necks, all of those will work. Um, So you slice everything thinly. You have to parboil the potatoes first, and then you just layer like potatoes, onions, salt and pepper. Um, You can use Italian seasoning, or you could use like herbs de Provence if you wanted to, and then tomatoes and zucchini, and then you um, drizzle butter over it, like Mm -hmm. melted butter, Mm -hmm. and then whatever kind of cheese you want. And then you can repeat the layers if you cut them thinly enough. And did I say you have to parboil the potatoes? Cause that's yeah. really important. Other, okay. Otherwise they'll be crunchy. Um, and then you just cover that and you bake it until everything's tender. It is so good. Like I get so excited for everything to be ripe at the same time in the summer, potatoes, onions, tomatoes, and zucchini so that I can make ratatouille. 
I just love it. I think it's so good. And it can be, um, it's great if you're like doing meatless Monday, it's a great entree. Like when we make it, it's not a side dish. I don't make it with chicken or with beef. It is, I make it with like salad and bread or muffins or something. And that's the whole meal. It feels, yeah, it sounds like those flavors, the combination of like adding the tomato and the zucchini to potatoes and onions, which I think of as, as winter food, but the brightness of the fresh garden tomatoes and zucchini sounds so good and hearty, like good. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Okay. What else? Give me one or two more. I think, okay. So another great one. Um, is something called skillet cake. And we got this recipe when my husband and I were newlyweds and I was expecting um, our oldest and he had an internship with Indian Health Services um, up in Bellingham, Washington. And we did not, I mean, we were like poor newlyweds and um, I was a school teacher and he was in grad school. So it's not like we had any money. And so instead of staying somewhere, we lived with the family of his like mentor, which was like, I mean, it was so awkward. Like they had kids, we were sleeping on a futon. I was like very pregnant. So I still wonder like, why did we do that? Um, but one day the wife, I tagged along with the wife and her kids, um, while she was, they were picking blackberries. So we picked all these fresh blackberries, just like on the side of the road. She knew all the good spots. And then she made this stuff called skillet cake. And you just take a cast iron skillet and you melt butter in it. And then you mix up the batter just by hand. You don't need a mixer or anything. And then you pour the melted butter from the skillet into the batter, whisk that in, dump it back in the skillet. And then you just cover the whole top with fresh berries. And you can do blackberries you can do raspberries, you can do blueberries. Um, we've done peach slices before I've done plums. Um, I'm sure you could do strawberries, although we've never tried that. So we've tried all kinds of fruit, like whatever is in season. And then you just bake it in the oven and it is so good. It's great for breakfast. It's great for dessert. You can top it with ice cream or whipped cream or powdered sugar or all of those things. I mean, it's just, it's like a blank slate. It's so yummy. So good. I Not a blank it. slate, a blank canvas. A blank canvas for all of the other drizzles and stuff you want to put on top. Yeah. Sounds so good. I love it. So good. Okay. That's amazing. Thank you. We'll link to those recipes. I mean, whichever ones are on your blog, I'm assuming a couple of them are. Um, the ratatouille is definitely, and the skillet cake. Yeah. There's, yeah, I think perfect. a couple of different variations on there. I think a blackberry and a plum or oh, maybe yeah. like a plum and a peach. I don't remember. Yeah, we'll link them all up in the show notes. Yeah, so good. And um, and maybe if you come up with, in the meantime, like surfing through your archives, if there's another couple favorite recipes that you want to add, we'll just add a little like mini list of Lulu the Baker's favorite garden recipes in the show notes. So head over and check those out, livefreecreative.co backslash podcast. Search for this episode. I think it's episode 79. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that um, unbelievable? Yeah, it's crazy that we've been, I've been doing this for a while. Yeah, it's so fun. It's my favorite, favorite thing that I do. So it's been really great. Um, Okay, so I feel like we've gotten some good tips and now is the time for people to start thinking about this because you have to be ready like in March, April, May, 
to be able to actually plant and actually begin. So like getting your, figuring out where in your, where in your yard you want to do this, what type of raised beds you want to find, how you're going to make sure that these things get watered. If you want to try winter sowing from seeds, you can start some of that right now. Um, if you want to just plan out and kind of start doing a little bit of research. Um, I also told Melissa that I'm going to get, if she has any favorite like basic, basic books or um, blogs that she has used as resources for her gardening journey, that we'll add those in the show notes as well so that we can all just like do this together because I think it's so, so valuable And it's something that I've always, I mean, I've always grown a little something, whether it was like herbs or just something, but I just am so, I've been looking forward to it for years and I feel like my dreams are going to come true when I have like an actual garden to like have food come out of my backyard. I'm super excited about it. It really is so fulfilling to eat something that you grew. Like it's just like, there's just a special like pride that you take in it. Like, I can't believe like I grew this to like nourish myself. Like it's just really fun. It's very like, you know, it's a little woo woo, but you know. Oh, but so good. I feel like we need more of that though. Like the connection, like, I mean, I self care and yeah. Even having our kids, like having our kids understand that food doesn't show up in the grocery store. Like just like, that's not where it begins. Like that they're, you know, like the having them be part of actually growing something and seeing that it takes some work and it takes some attention and that it's also so fun. And that especially like, I feel like, um, I didn't grow up in a gardening family at all, which is why I'm such a greenie to all of this. But, um, when I have bought produce at the farmer's market that has been grown locally or, you know, is fresh versus, from the grocery store, even if it's like great organic whole foods or whatever, the difference in taste is real. Like the something that's like straight out of a garden is just so different. And I'm so excited to experience it like on my very own terms in my own little yard. So thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with me today. And um, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode in the spring so that we can um, get more, so that you can continue helping me out. We can talk about summer stuff because there are some things that like pumpkins, I mean, pumpkins, we think of them in the fall, but you don't get a pumpkin in the fall unless you plant it in the summer. So okay, yes, follow up. We'll circle back with my garden guru. Thank you so much. Um, How how can people find you if they want to follow along with what you're doing in your life and on your farm? Where should they look you up? So my website is lulubaker.com and then all of my social media is lulubaker. So um, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, um, I'm still on Twitter. (laughs) So you can find me on Twitter. On Pinterest, it's all Lulu the Baker. So great. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of your your encouragement and knowledge. And I can't wait to um, get started and... And you can message me if you have questions. I will. Don't worry. I will. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. If you weren't ready to plant a garden, don't you feel ready now? There's something so nice about just chatting with an insider, someone who has some experience and has some understanding to just give me a projection. So now I can actually visualize this idea of where in my yard I want to put my raised beds. I actually have already hopped onto Facebook Marketplace to look for some, to reclaim some garden beds that have been used in the city or to find someone locally who's making them out of reclaimed lumber, which I have connected with someone. So we'll see if I can get that ball rolling. I'm ready to fill them up with soil and to 
plant some of these beginner plants that are going to, you know, pop right up like radishes and carrots and zucchini. I can't wait to get a dozen zucchini from one little zucchini plant. The whole thing just feels like magic to me, and I hope that if you have been looking forward to planting a garden this year, that some of the basic information that Melissa shared with us in this episode will give you the confidence that you need to just get started. Do it with me. If this is something that you've wanted to do, do it with me. I'm going to be sharing all about my own gardening adventures on Instagram, in my Instagram story, and so feel free to follow along there as well, and I will be sharing little updates in my Life Lately segment on the podcast throughout the spring and summer so that you can hear the updates on what's growing in our backyard. This podcast is really a place for me to share ideas and inspiration for you to live a more creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. And I feel like planting a garden covers all of those bases. It's creative, it is definitely adventurous, and it leads to a more intentional lifestyle as you plan and prepare and then also have some new skills and the ability to grow things that your family can eat. It just feels so, so cool. I'm definitely going to do an update with Melissa at some point in the late spring. So if you have any specific gardening questions, I'd love for you to just share them with me in the comment section of today's show notes at livefreecreative.co backslash podcast. And make sure that you head over there to episode 79 to grab a free printable edible garden 101 tips and resources from this episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you haven't yet, make sure you hop over to iTunes and leave a five-star review with a little comment about your favorite things about Live Free Creative. That's one of the very best ways for people who are unfamiliar with the show to get a feel for what it's all about. I also really appreciate it when you share the show directly with your friends and family, whether through a text message, a comment in real life, or even by taking a screenshot and sharing it on Instagram, letting your friends know what it is you're listening to and what you're learning from it. Lastly, I just need to quickly remind you that doors are open right now for registration for the spring session of Live Free From Clutter. This is my five-week intentional living course where you do a five-week guided shopping pause along with weekly lessons and webinars to help you feel more intentional, more grounded, and put yourself on a path to a more abundant and fulfilled everyday life. If it feels like you've been needing a little boost of energy, a little bit of direction, and a little help making a few more intentional choices in your life, I would love to help you on your journey. Head to the show notes and I'll have a link directly to where you can learn more and register for Live Free From Clutter for the spring session. That's all for now. Have a wonderful week and I will chat with you next week, same time, same place. Bye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.